Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, Week 15, Conference Championship Week. You excited? You ready? How we doing? I'm ready. It's it's weird to be previewing games uh, for Conference Championship Week this late in the season. Usually it's, you know, starting bowl season. I mean, last Christmas Eve, Scott and I were real mad at BYU for a really bad beat on Christmas Eve after being like five or six bourbons deep and we're not going to have that this year. So it's a, it's a little bit different kind of kicking off the holiday week with some conference championship games, but I don't hate it. Yeah. It's a, it's a change. It's different, but it's, it's nice. I'm glad we still have football to talk about even this, this late into the year. Um, So Mike, we have a couple of ACC games, obviously the championship game, but we do have another one because again, weird year, things are different. That's okay. Yep. Uh, we're going to talk about, uh, just briefly hit on, I think, the other conference championship games as well, and we'll probably make a playoff prediction because that's what we got to do at this time of year. Uh, but, Mike, let's let's start out here, and and I, I'm going to try not to be too cheeky about this, but the game of the year, biggest one that we've been waiting on for a long, long time, Mike, at noon on the ACC Network, the Florida State Seminoles, a six-and-a-half-point underdog on the road, in Winston-Salem taking on the Wake Forest Steeman Deeks, total is 66. Do you have a good feel for this game? Nah, do you? Nope. Nope. Yeah. I I mean, I felt pretty good about Wake Forest going into last week against Louisville, and then they got just beaten up by the Cardinals. Um, Florida State, meanwhile, feeling themselves, you know, feeling pretty good after blowing out a, a terrible Duke team. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I guess go with Wake Forest. They're the better team here. I don't know. I think I'm just going to go Florida State plus a six and a half and just go with the road dog plus the touchdown just given that wake forest hasn't played a ton and they looked real bad last week against louisville and florida state i thought played pretty well against duke uh although i, I do think wake forest is the better team here and they should win in cover i just don't I, and it's senior day and it's at home and I, I with all that being said it's just like wake i, I had a lot of confidence in wake last week and they just kind of rolled over, which was surprising to me, given who they were playing and what kind of Louisville had been going up against with all the Scott Satterfield to South Carolina rumors. And seemed like that would be a situation where Louisville was in shambles. They really weren't. They came out and just kind of beat down Wake Forest. I expect Wake to play better, but I just saw Florida State play really well last week. And I saw Wake Forest play really bad last week. And now recency bias tells me that Florida State covers this touchdown spread, even though I do believe that Wake Forest is the better team. So I'm going to hold my nose and pick Florida State. No confidence in it at all. Wake could certainly win this game, should certainly win this game, and could absolutely cover. 
And I don't have a really good feel on the over-under either, Joey. Like, I, I think it could e- just as easily go over as it could go under. These teams have been prone to turnovers, so I guess I would lean under there. But, uh, you know, I could also see these teams get into a shootout with their average defenses, you know, not being able to hold either offense down. So right. I don't have a good feel for this game at all. Yeah. No, I, I was going to say, like, I, I would almost lean over because, I, I mean – I feel like Wake Forest is usually able to score on most anybody. Um, they, they struggled a little bit last week against Louisville, certainly, as the game wore on. Um, but again, that was kind of turnover-related and, and a couple of self-destruction things. And Florida State seems like, if, if nothing else, they can score a little bit too this year. But I, yeah, I just don't feel good enough about it because, again, I don't know who really cares in this game. Uh, so I, I guess I'll lean over. But you know what? Give me Wake Forest. Wake Forest will cover here. Uh, Wake has been really good against the spread this year. I think, again, coming home, senior day, they're going to want to try to go out on a high note. Uh, I think it'll be a little bit more buttoned up than it was last week against Louisville. So give me the Deeks to cover, uh, and and they'll win here and end the year on a high note. Good enough for me. Yep. I, th- yeah, that's the best I got. I don't know. <laughs> like, we're, we're picking games against you know between teams that might not go to a bowl game and December 19th, like – who knows what we're going to get so yeah i mean wake forest uh, wake forest this is their ninth game of the year like they're only playing nine regular season games mm-hmm. after the scheduled 11 so that's yep it's been a weird year for wake forest and they played last week against louisville for the first time in a month it's just kind of one of those years it's really hard to gauge what they are it's really hard to gauge what florida state is because they just haven't been consistent even when they have played yep absolutely cannot recommend betting on this game no i won't be touching that will not uh, by the way, so I, yeah, so I got Wake Forest to cover six and a half. Mike, you've got Florida State in the points there. Um, I, we'll also mention here Georgia Tech Miami was supposed to be played this weekend, but got canceled uh, about this time last week because Georgia Tech just wasn't going to have enough between uh, injured players and COVID protocol players. So that game is off for this weekend. Meaning, Mike, we are left with one more game to discuss, and it is the ACC championship game from Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, 4 o'clock on ABC, the number three Clemson Tigers, a 10.5-point favorite against the number two Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Total is 60. Mike, this total opened at like 7, 7.5. I thought I liked Notre Dame at that number. It is up to 10.5, and, a half and I, I need to know what I'm missing here. Something Something's off here, it feels like. Notre Dame plus 10.5, lock it up. Woo! You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. Wow, Mike. Coming in hot. Not really. What are we missing here? <laughs> I, I, I'm not really sure. I, I'm not sure. It, it's, it is weird to me <laughs> that they played this game already and Notre Dame won, and now Clemson is a double-digit favorite. And, and part of what's weird Again. to me. Yeah. Well, and part <laughs> of what's weird to me about that, Mike, is that, well, we can say, oh, well, you know, that was with a backup quarterback. You know, they're going to have Trevor Lawrence back. Uh, so that's going to make the difference here. Clemson will, will probably be able to, to pull it off. It's like, well, but the thing was, it wasn't like Clemson got bad quarterback play in that game. That was DJ Uyunglele making his first start on the road. He goes 29 of 44 for 439 and two scores. Average 10 yards per attempt. Like, that's good quarterback play by all by any stretch. Like, the thing that Clemson couldn't do was run the ball at all. And, and that's something that is very repeatable unless something really drastically changes in this game plan for the Clemson offense. Trevor Lawrence was a reason why Clemson lost in South Bend. He wasn't the reason why Clemson lost in South Bend. Right. 
that's my opinion on it. Um, I think not having Trevor Lawrence makes a difference in the short to intermediate passing game where Notre Dame's front seven was able to get home a few times because of inconsistency from what he's seeing on the defense, he being DJU, right? You know, you're a true freshman. You're making your second start because BC had played Boston College and DJ Uyangalolei played in that game as well. He's playing his second start, uh, his first on the road, by the way, in South Bend. And he is trying to make these reads against a very good Notre Dame defense in the passing game where Trevor Lawrence at this stage in his career has seen everything, right? He knows what's coming. He can read a defense at ease, even one that's as good as Notre Dame's is. So I think where Clemson missed Trevor Lawrence is in the short and intermediate passing game. I think Clemson also missed Trevor Lawrence in the running game as well. Um, DJ Uyangalale, the story kind of going in and one of the stories that was kind of laid out when Trevor Lawrence tested positive for COVID was, okay, DJU's been banged up. Like, are we positive he's going to be the quarterback, right? He was dealing with some sort of issue. I'm not sure if it was his shoulder or his legs, whatever, something. He was banged up a little bit. So that was a real question when Trevor Lawrence was out due to COVID because, A, you know, they were playing a pretty decent defense at Boston College, but B, they were going to be playing Notre Dame the following week. So, you know, how was Clemson going to game plan without fully knowing who the quarterback was? We then found out DJU was going to play and he was healthy enough to go, but he didn't run the ball a ton in that game against Notre Dame. And I do wonder how much his health played into that. I think that hurt Clemson a lot because Trevor Lawrence, what we've seen with his ability to run and throw is that he's able to keep the defense off balance, even when an opposing defense is able to slow down Travis Etienne. So even more so than the short and intermediate passing game, I think where Clemson really missed Trevor Lawrence in the first matchup was in the running game because Notre Dame's defense did such a great job up front as they have all year against the teams they face at slowing down the running game. And I think that's where Clemson is going to have success in this game, right? Clemson is going to have, I think, a bit more success running the football. I don't think they're going to have success to a point where this is a blowout and they run away with it. And I don't think it was that drastic of a difference having DJU back there versus Trevor Lawrence, but I do think it makes some difference for Clemson's running game in this game, at least when Clemson has the ball on offense against Notre Dame's defense. I think we'll see a little bit of a change there in, in game plan and schematics, I think. I, I totally agree. I mean, that's something that we've talked about since Deshaun Watson was there is Clemson loves to have that quarterback run element to their yeah. offense, but that's not something that they really go to all the way throughout the year. That's something that they kind of will will limitedly use from time to time. And then around this time of year, this is when they'll just fully unleash it and they'll happily let Trevor Lawrence or whoever run the ball about 15 to 20 times a game if that's what it takes. Right. And so I think that's something to keep an eye out for is that there will be a little bit more of that quarterback run element, um, at least more so than we've usually seen during the regular season from Trevor Lawrence. Now, we saw several yep. several run game, you know, run action stuff from DJ Uyunglele earlier in the year. Um, but that's, again, kind of playing to his strengths and, and trying to keep it simple for a guy who's making his first road start. Mike, the right. thing that Trevor Lawrence also has absolutely no uh, – makes no impact on – is Clemson's offensive line still has to go against Notre Dame's defensive front, which was a huge right. problem for the Tigers in the first game that they played. Right, and that's what I want to get into here now, too, because I don't think that Travis Etienne all of a sudden has a ton of success, and I kind of alluded to that in my answer, but I want to get a little bit more specific. I don't think he has a ton of success running the football against Notre Dame's front. 
this is not a situation in that first matchup where Notre Dame's defense was just like good enough and skating by because Clemson didn't have Trevor Lawrence in the run game. Like, that's not what I meant. Notre Dame's front seven is really good, and they were able to win up front consistently against Clemson's offensive line, mm-hmm. which something is something, by the way, that we've seen a few times when Clemson's played this year. Clemson hasn't always dominated up front like we've seen in years past. I think Notre Dame's front seven has the advantage over Clemson's offensive line. I thought that in the first matchup, it came to fruition. I still think that's the case now, regardless of if you have Trevor Lawrence or not. Having Trevor Lawrence back there, I think, neutralizes the pass rush. It makes things more difficult for Notre Dame to get home. That's where I think the difference is. But as far as just like straight up matchup, offensive line versus defensive line, I think Notre Dame's front's better. And I think they'll be able to get home. And I do think that Travis Etienne is going to once again struggle to run the football. It's something that quite honestly, like when Travis Etienne came back to school this year, the expectation from me anyway, was that Travis Etienne would run the ball and have better rushing statistics than he has. He hasn't really impressed in that regard where I think returning to school for Travis Etienne has made a difference is that he's shown the ability to be a complete back. He can return kicks. He can catch passes out of the backfield. He can run between the tackles, which we already knew. He, he's one of the best players in the country, the best player in the country, running outside the tackles as a running back. There were things that we knew going into this season that he polished up and he's made himself a better pro prospect for it. So I don't think it's a lost year for him returning to to school and playing for Clemson this year, even though the rushing statistics aren't as good. I think he's become a well-rounded back. With that being said, I don't think Clemson has a ton of success running the football. I think he'll be better than the first matchup, but I think that's a situation up front to modern. One of the keys to the game is can Notre Dame's front seven win that matchup in the manner that they won it in South Bend back in October? Because if that's the case, then I don't know. I, I honestly don't know how Clemson covers 10 and a half mm-hmm. short of like a Notre Dame debacle on offense, which we'll get into in a second. I don't see it. That's a huge spread. If Notre Dame wins up front, like they did in the first matchup. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm curious to sit to see from a schematic standpoint, if Clemson's offense is going to come out and run a lot more quick game or kind of run a simulated run game of sorts where it's not just up to the offensive line to get some push and, and open up some holes. Cause as, as you mentioned, and as we've said before this year, this Clemson offensive line is not bullying people in the way that we got used to seeing over the last few years. It's good, not great. Yeah, and, and absolutely, last time, Notre Dame's defensive front won that battle almost the entire game. Um, yep. And I, I don't really see a good reason to think that that's going to change here. But what you can do is kind of you know use timing, get the ball out quickly to where you can kind of neutralize that effect and... and you know, stay ahead of the chains, keep moving the ball down the field. So yep. maybe that's something too, that Trevor Lawrence can do that DJU wasn't going to quite be able to. Right. It's one of those repeatable elements from the first matchup that I think Notre Dame uh, can accomplish regardless of who Clemson throws out there. I mean, yes, Lawrence can neutralize a little bit with the quick passing game, but it's one of those repeatable elements to the first matchup that I think carries over to the second matchup and makes Notre Dame really competitive in this football game. Yep. The other thing we got to mention and we got to keep an eye on here is this Clemson receiving core against Notre Dame's secondary. And that's yep. something that was kind of a problem at times in the first game and could very easily be another big problem. And as we've mentioned, Trevor Lawrence's numbers throwing down the field don't look good this year. No. But that's not exactly a Trevor Lawrence problem as much as it's a who's on the other end problem. Right. Now, I, th- I think Clemson's receiving core has gotten better. You know, we talk about Notre Dame and how their passing offense has really come along. And the the, Clemson, the first Clemson matchup was kind of the coming out party for Ian Book in regards to Notre Dame passing game. They look good against Pittsburgh throwing the ball a couple of weeks prior to Clemson. 
but it's a little bit it's a little bit different doing it against Pittsburgh secondary versus Clemson secondary. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Clemson's offense, I think, in the passing game since Trevor Lawrence has been back, especially, has gotten better uh, consistently since that Notre Dame matchup. I do think it's something to monitor because Notre Dame's got a very good secondary. Their, their defense at all three levels is outstanding. This is one of the top three or four defenses in the in the entire country. It's a big reason why they're at where they're at here in the ACC championship game, undefeated, looking dominant in, in a lot of the games they've played this year. Basically, since mid-October, they, they've been very good. Since that Louisville game, really, it's been a dominant Notre Dame defense all throughout the year. It's a big reason why they're at where they're at. Um, and against those Clemson receivers, if Clemson's receivers can win more one-on-one matchups with Trevor Lawrence delivering the football, I think that's something that really turns the tide on this football game. I'm just not sure that Clemson's receivers are going to be able to consistently do that. I don't think we've seen enough of it this year to really have that sort of confidence that they're all of a sudden going to go out and and complete a bunch of deep passes down the field and things like that. If they make Trevor Lawrence hold on to the ball for a while, I think Notre Dame's passing uh, pass rush up front gets home. Yep. Yeah, that's definitely something to keep an eye on is is, is that pass rush getting home. Um, you know, you might be able to learn a lot about what this game is going to end up being in the first 15 to 20 minutes uh, of game action. So uh, by early in the second quarter, I feel like we're going to have a pretty good feel for how that's going. Let's, yep. look, let's look at the other side of the ball, Mike. Uh, as we mentioned, going into that game in South Bend, we had real concerns about Ian Book. And is this the kind of game that he can win against this kind of defense on this kind of stage? And he went in and turned in the best game that we've seen him play, bar none. And that really kind of set off a, I, I don't know, I'd say a chain reaction, but it kind of set off a, a streak of Ian Book playing absolutely lights out football, like quietly sneaking his way in the back door, like the Heisman conversation. Uh, I don't think he's actually going to get there, but like playing outstanding football and really leading this Notre Dame team down the stretch. Um, so there's there's that piece of it, but part of what what enabled that Mike too was Brent Venables went into this game in this game uh, went in with a game plan that they were going to blitz Ian Book heavily because up until then we hadn't seen great Ian Book you know step up and, and make these throws in these moments. So the thought was okay, well we'll just blitz a whole bunch, we'll get home and we'll make him make some bad decisions, make some mistakes, and we'll capitalize with turnovers or, or three and outs or whatever we got to do. What he didn't account for is the fact that even sending six on a blitz isn't getting home to Ian Book because <laughs> that right. offensive line for Notre Dame plus the, the pass protection of Kyron Williams in that game was outstanding. And so really what it ended up with was Notre Dame's receivers, you know, playing basically five on four and you're able to create some space and, and get out there. And if, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see if this is the same game plan that Clemson comes out with in this game or if you just assume, you know what? we're probably not getting home anyways. Let's leave some guys back in coverage and make Ian book beat us with his arm. I think in the early part of the game, the game plan will be similar. I think that Brent Venables is going to be a little bit quicker to pull the trigger on changing things up in this game. than he probably was in the first matchup because he has that data point in his head where he knows that Clemson didn't get home as much as they wanted to in the first matchup. And a, credit Notre Dame's offensive line for being really good, but B, credit Ian Book for the ability to create plays off schedule, get outside the pocket and make some plays. That's something that he's done consistently in his entire time at Notre Dame, but I think more so this year than in years past. He's mm-hmm. been a very exclo- explosive player outside of the pocket. You know, He's always been a guy who can scramble around and kind of think on his feet and make those kind of plays. This year, he's been more consistent at doing that and being able to deliver bigger plays down the field for Notre Dame, whether it be 
you know, with his legs or with his arm. So I think the game plan for Brett Venables will be similar early. I think he'll change if he realizes he's not getting home because they didn't get home as much as they wanted to in the first matchup. I think that's where you're going to see the difference. Now, I think what happens to Clemson and where they're put into a little bit of a bind is that if they don't get home rushing six, bringing seven, whatever it may be, then you're going to be playing in an umbrella, right? Notre Dame's, now you're worried about Notre Dame's passing offense a bit more than you probably want to. And it's a little bit of, of an umbrella defensively. Notre Dame's not going to be throwing into that. They're going to be running into it. And Notre Dame's at their best when they're running the football and establishing that first before you establish the passing game with Ian Book. Very difficult offense to defend right now. Um, Ian Book's got confidence with his receivers. They've come on strong throughout the year. The running game with Kyron Williams is extremely explosive when he gets going. And the offensive line is, again, a veteran group, you know, protecting a veteran quarterback in Ian Book who does not make a lot of mistakes. And that is a recipe for a really good, efficient Notre Dame offense that has gotten stronger as the year has gone along. And I think that Notre Dame is going to be able to score some points in this football game. So while a lot of people talk about Clemson's offense with Trevor Lawrence, him being back against Notre Dame's defense. I think the real story of the game is on the other side of the football. Notre Dame's offense being able to create against Clemson's defense with Brent Venables, the best defensive coordinator in college football, having the data point of the first game in his mind. It's going to be a really interesting chess match uh, between Tommy Reese, Notre Dame's offensive coordinator, and Brent Venables to see what's working, what's not, more so than it would be on the other side with Clemson's offensive coordinator, Tony Elliott, going up against Notre Dame's defensive coordinator and new Vanderbilt head coach, by the way, Clark Lee. Mm hmm. Yeah, that was something I was thinking about was for for a, a young, relatively inexperienced offensive coordinator like Tommy Reese, like this is your chance to to earn your money here <laughs> going up against yeah. one of the best in the game as a defensive coordinator in Brent Venables. A second time, which is why it's like it's so much more that beating a team twice is so hard to do. Yep. And I think that's part of the reason why Clemson is favored like they are. But I think Tommy, this is where Tommy Reese earns his money. I agree. I mean, He's basically our age, right? He's late 20s, and he's out there calling plays against a very experienced defensive coordinator, Brent Venables, who is coached all over the place, coaching defenses at a very high level. It'll be really interesting to see. Yeah. I mean, Mike, I've done my share of play calling on NCAA Football 14 over the years, but I, I'm not sure I would feel super confident if they were calling plays like Brent Venables were on defense. Like, I, right. <laughs> I don't know that I would have that level of success. I don't Definitely know. not probably wouldn't have won the 15 national titles by now but who's to say who's to say um i I was going to mention here there's a couple of key players that were not in this game the first time for clemson uh james skalski and tyler davis two of the Uh two of the very best that they've got in the front seven were both missing tyler davis has already been back for clemson Uh, james skalski has played kind of limitedly lately but sounds like he's close to 100 percent and he'll be playing in this game so that kind of ramps up the difficulty here as well the one other thing I wanted to mention here, Mike, and, and we talked about this and we almost like we kind of argued about it a little bit on the on the recap of the first game is Notre Dame finishes this game. They go on a long touchdown drive at the end of regulation to tie it, to send it to uh, send it to overtime that resulted with 33 points on the scoreboard in regulation of this game. I would argue that 17 of them were not like repeatable, you know, um, I, I called them basically cheap points that Notre Dame was able to, to rack up in the first half. Um, it was a broken run, you know, a long touchdown run by Kyron Williams on like the second or third play of the game. Uh, there was a, again, there was the scoop six on the weird dropped pitch by Clemson that uh, Jeremiah Awusu-Koromoa, uh, tongue, tongue twister there, 
Thank you. Uh, picked it up, runs it back into the in, into the end zone. I don't know that you can plan on or game plan for that again. And then Notre Dame creates a turnover that results in a field goal coming off a drive where their offense racked up negative two yards. So two touchdowns and a field goal on things that I don't know that you can really plan on doing. It's not a super repeatable thing. So I that's if I'm trying to make sense of this line being a double digit spread, it's it's something like that, you know, that's maybe Notre Dame was a little bit lucky in the way that the first game went, but still with all the things that we've talked about, like it, it's not like Notre Dame really it didn't feel like they really got lucky in a lot of ways. Um right. I agree. Well, cuz even the even the cheap points that you're referring to, right? Like Notre Dame's offensive line blocks while up front opens up a hole and a really good running back breaks it for 75 yards. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's cheap because it doesn't happen to Clemson's defense very often. But that's something that Notre Dame did against Clemson's defense that was successful, right? It wasn't I guess a surprise that a really good running back was able to break a long run when Notre Dame ran the play correctly. It was more surprising that Clemson allowed a play like that that early in the game. They don't do that. They don't right. allow big plays defensively. Right. That's that's the bigger part of the surprise. And then the the pitch that uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa blew up and the ball just kind of landed in his arms and he runs it in for a touchdown. Now, that's, that's an element of turnover luck that you don't necessarily have in every game you play, right? Even more so than that long touchdown run. With that being said... Notre Dame was in the backfield on that play, and Awusa Koromoa read it perfectly, causing Travis Etienne to fumble the pitch. So that was film study. That's film study. That was a play, and and I think we brought that up when we were t- when we were discussing it in the recap. That was a play that um, and a touchdown for Notre Dame uh, that was made on Tuesday or Wednesday of game week, where Notre Dame saw a look, they knew what was coming, and they blew the play up. Now, I don't think Travis Etienne bobbles a, bobbles a pitch and then it's it's you know into the waning arms of the Lusu Cormo and running for a touchdown every game. That's an element of turnover luck that you don't always have. But my, my point to all of this is to say that you're correct, right? There are some plays here that may not be repeatable for Notre Dame, but there's the other the flip side of it where Notre Dame just flat out out executed Clemson in the first matchup, and those types of things are repeatable. Awusu Koromo could very well read the same play again in this game against Clemson and blow that play up in the backfield for a loss and force Clemson to punt. Notre Dame could very well have like a 35-yard touchdown run on a similar play rather than a 75 or an 80-yard touchdown run on the third play from scrimmage. Like those types of things can happen, and I think that they were a result of Notre Dame's execution and game plan in the first matchup. That kind of stuff, like bigger picture stuff is repeatable, even though I think the plays themselves, to your point, um, may not necessarily have the same outcome as it did in the first matchup. But if you're trying to rationalize the line, because you and I, I think, are kind of at a loss as to why it's as big as it is. Like, I don't think Trevor Lawrence makes that big of a difference to Clemson, mm-hmm. given what we've talked about here in this preview. Um, I am still at a loss as to why the line is as big as it is. Now, I, I could see Clemson winning this football game. In fact, Joey, I'm just going to go ahead and make my pick right now. I do think Clemson wins this rematch. Yep. So I want to get that out there. I think Clemson wins this game close. I think Notre Dame keeps it within 10 and a half Clemson. I think Clemson wins by inside a touchdown. I think it's like a five, the five to six point range, I think is a, a pretty fair assessment of this game, given what we saw out of Notre Dame from the first matchup. But if Notre Dame goes out and just flat out wins this ACC championship game and beats Clemson for a second time, that wouldn't shock me either. This is a very different Notre Dame team this year. And the common fans been on social media this week saying Clemson is going to route Notre Dame. I don't see that 
at all. And if Clemson does do that, by the way, more power to them, and we should probably giving, be giving them a bit more credit going into the playoff than I, I think we are at present. But Clemson's going up against, in my opinion, a team in Notre Dame that is a serious contender to win the national championship. We haven't said that about Notre Dame teams in probably like 25 years. This is the best team Brian Kelly has had in South Bend. I think they have an excellent chance to win this football game. I think they have an excellent chance to win a semifinal that they're in in the college football playoff, depending on what the matchup looks like. I think they could definitely win the national championship this year. I think that's a legitimate play. So it's not like Clemson is going up against some slouch at Notre Dame that they faced in the Cotton Bowl a couple of years ago. And for those thinking that that's going to be the case now that Trevor Lawrence is back in the lineup, and that's what's different from the first matchup, I don't think that's the case. Open to being wrong and seeing Clemson prove me wrong. But I think even if Notre Dame loses this game close, they're going to the playoff, Joey. And we'll get into the playoff discussion here in a second, too. But I think this is um, a a game that Notre Dame could definitely compete in and win. I think Clemson ultimately wins the game outright. And I do think Trevor Lawrence makes some plays that are tangible here down the stretch to lead Clemson to victory. But I think Notre Dame definitely covers 10 and a half. just seems like a big spread to me. Yep. I'm with you. I'll I'll take the points with Notre Dame, but I think Clemson wins. Um, I I could see it being something like 38-34 or something like this. Yeah. It's uh, keep in mind this this is a different Notre Dame team like you've said. There's also kind of a different Clemson team. Like yes. there's only really <laughs> yeah. been like one or two outright dominant, you know, just beat down performances we've seen from them. There has been sloppiness in places that we have not seen from them in recent right. years. There has been problems in in the trenches that we haven't seen from them in recent years. Like I just, you know, generational quarterback be damned. I I just don't think that this team is as dominant and as infallible as some of these recent Clemson teams we've seen. That that's a great that's a great point and something I probably didn't harp on enough. Not only is this a different Notre Dame team and a better Notre Dame team than we've seen, this is a worse Clemson team. Mm-hmm. And I totally agree with that. And they're still really good. Clemson's really good, and really, they're really still good. an elite football team relative to the rest of the country, right? Um, but Notre Dame is one of the few teams that can expose Clemson's flaws in a way that a lot of other teams on the schedule couldn't. Yeah. I think we saw that in the first matchup in South Bend, and I think you'll see it again to some degree, one degree or another, on Saturday in the conference championship game. It's just whether or not Notre Dame exposes those flaws again for a second time in a way that leads to them winning the game for a second time. That That's the real question. Yep, absolutely. So I, I'm with you. Give me Notre Dame and the points. I, I think they'll at least keep it close. I, I think they've got all the tools. I think from some from some end of it, like part of the reason I don't see him beating Clemson is kind of what what you're saying is like to beat the team twice, like and to beat this team twice is super hard. Um, you know, you came into this this first game with a certain game plan. You got to know, <laughs> Clemson has been studying that tape. They've had probably somewhere between sixteen and thirty analysts working on that game for a month and a half now, or something like that. You know, like. They know exactly what went wrong for Clemson, you know, what went well for Notre Dame, and you got to believe they're going to scheme all that stuff out, you know, or, or at least a lot of it, and make Notre Dame beat them in a different way. And, 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 you know, again, time will tell if Notre Dame can do that. They haven't really done it historically, but we will see. Uh, although I do agree with you. I mean, again, this is by far the best Notre Dame, we've seen, Notre Dame team we've seen under Brian Kelly, I think significantly better than the 2018 team that went to the playoff. So, so what are you locking up? Uh, apparently, Mike, if we're locking up something, I guess give me the over. You better oh! Lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. Yeah, total 60. I, I think we're going to get some more points than that. I, I just, even in, in, in a game where both of these defenses, you know, A, Notre Dame, great defense. 
B, Clemson, even you know, better defense, I think, than they were a month and a half ago. Yeah, I think there's going to be some points. You I know? think so, too. So, I think both – and I think both defenses will play well and probably better even than they did in the first matchup. But I agree. I think the scheme goes over. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we're in agreement here, Mike. Is is Notre Dame in the points? You know, you're given double digits with a, a team that not only are they playoff quality, Mike, but they're the team in the playoff. We'll, we'll talk about this in a second, uh, about how good Alabama is and that they would probably be a double-digit favorite over any of these teams, blah, 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 blah. Yep. Notre Dame is the team other than Alabama that I feel like people are talking about kind of differently as a team that would be kind of a nightmare to match up with for a lot of the other playoff teams. Yeah, agree. They match up well with everybody. Yeah, because of how good they are in the trenches, how good they are on defense. I think that's the thing that, you know, you got to keep in mind. That's how good they are. But again, I think there's points in this game. And that's what's different. It's the depth on defense. Yeah, for sure. So, all right. Notre Dame in the points. Give me the over. Lock that up. Uh, locking in Notre Dame in the ten and a half for you. Um, I think that's all I got on this game, Mike. Anything else here? No, it'll be it'll be a really interesting matchup. Yep. I'm curious to see just how well or poorly both teams play. I don't think either team will play like super poorly. I just think that we're going to see flaws exposed on either side. I'm curious to see who kind of overcomes that and is able to win this second matchup. Yep. Absolutely. Mike, you want to run through the uh, other conference championship games real quickly? Yeah, let's do it. At least the other Power 5 games. Uh, 8 o'clock, Fox, Friday night, Oregon at number 13, USC in Los Angeles. Uh, Oregon, a three-point underdog on the road. You like a ranked USC at home? I do. I like USC at home. Um, I like them to win this game outright. And it's not even that USC has been all that impressive because they haven't been, but I've been less impressed with Oregon. And there's questions about whether Mario Cristobal is going to go elsewhere, too. There's some coaching rumors out there with him. So some extra elements to this. Um, USC has been kind of hot and cold this year. I think they win this game, though. Yeah. A couple teams that are combined 8-2, and and I think like six or seven of those wins have been, you know – flying by the seat of their pants, like barely win the game kind of thing. I mean, USC just had to have a last second comeback last week against UCLA to win. Like, yeah, I I'll take USC, but it's not because I think USC is outstanding. It's both these teams quite flawed and USC's just managed to pull it off one or two more times here so far this year. So, yep. Anyways, uh, the big 10 championship game, Mike noon on Fox on Saturday, the number 14 Northwestern Wildcats and the number four Ohio state Buckeyes, uh, Northwestern, a 20 and a half point underdog, 20 and a half. Give me the Buckeyes here, Mike. I, uh, I like Northwestern to cover that total is 57 and a half. You got to like the under. I do like the under. Yeah. I think Northwestern makes some stops here. Ohio state's, you know, uh, haven't necessarily looked as dominant as a lot of people thought they would be on paper. Yeah. I just like Northwestern to ugly it up a little bit. I do think Ohio State wins by like 14 to 17 points and wins pretty comfortably. I don't think Northwestern ever really threatens, but three touchdowns seems like a lot. I think Northwestern's defense plays well enough to keep it within the margin there. That, that's Look, I, I, will, I will take the three touchdown dog here in this game, given how good Northwestern's defense has been this year. Mike, something I've been thinking about for a long time and something we can we can put a pin in for another day to talk about. We are all like working on the assumption that Trevor Lawrence is the obvious, easy number one overall pick in the draft, right? Like can't miss. That's that's obviously who's going number one to the Jets, right? Except 
What like what odds would you need to bet Justin Fields to go number one overall? Again, something to put a pit in. You know, do, do you want six to one on you know Fields go number one overall? I, I was gonna say I was gonna say five to one before you said six to one. So it would be in that range, I yeah. think. And and really just the thought there being, well, that's a guy with that level of athleticism, knowing what Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray and some of these things have have been over the last you know couple of years in the NFL. I could see someone falling in love with with that from Justin Thomas and and outsmarting themselves or Justin Fields, excuse me, and, and outsmarting themselves. So something to something to think on and chew on here a little bit, I think. Hey Joey, just a quick to hell with Georgia bit. Remember yes, when they wouldn't play Justin Fields over Jake Prompt? <laughs> yeah yeah how'd that go yeah not Ooh. great um yeah anyways that game coming from lucas oil stadium in indianapolis coming from at&t stadium in arlington also at noon this one on abc the number 10 oklahoma sooners against the number six iowa state cyclones oklahoma a five and a half point favorite total is 58 mike uh give me ou i think they win the matchup the rematch the rematch yeah, matchup. They have been playing really well lately. Yeah. I, I, you know what? Give me at least give me the points with Iowa State. I, I, I really want to see Iowa State win this game just because I, I think they said that they've never won a conference title. Is that right? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, never. So, I love Matt Campbell too. Yeah. Well, and just what they've been able to do with that program that ten years ago was again a doormat program. Like just. It is. It's cool to see, and, and and they're they're really fun. I mean, I I love watching games and Ames, and you know the way they're able to pull upsets and stuff. Yeah, I like Iowa State. They're fun. Fair enough. Yeah. All right, and then we had our game. As we mentioned, first of all, this is something else that we didn't really discuss: is the fact that the ACC championship, for as long as I can remember, has been a night game uh, being played in Charlotte. Yeah. S- somehow it's a four o'clock game this year. Uh, this year, the eight o'clock game on CBS, the number one Alabama Crimson Tide and the number seven Florida Gators coming from Mercedes-Benz Stadium in the greatest city on earth, Atlanta, Georgia. Um, the SEC championship. I don't know how that got bumped to the night game this year, but you know, again, weird year. Who's to say? Uh, Alabama, a seventeen-point favorite, and the total is seventy-four and a half. Mike, holy smokes! You think Florida Florida's can cover that? Defense. I worry about Florida's defense here mm-hmm. a lot. And you should a lot. Um, I think I like Alabama to cover that, and I, I'm surprised I'm saying that because I think Florida is capable of scoring with Alabama, but Alabama's defense has really, really come on the last like five or six weeks or so, and they will make enough plays with Mac Jones and uh, Devontae Smith and Najee Harris, and I really worry about Florida's defense. It's been a sticking point for the Gators all year and Kyle Trask has been good enough to overcome that a bunch. But in the times where he hasn't been able to fully overcome it, we've seen Florida exposed like last weekend, for example, where they lost to LSU and uh, quick little side note, the fact that Florida state is or Florida state. The fact that Florida is ranked seventh in the college football playoff, given that they have one of the worst power five losses in the country this year, I think LSU is that bad, so I'm standing by that. They have one of the worst Power 5 losses in the country um, a week ago, and they only dropped from 6 to 7 in the college football playoff rankings. Absolute travesty. 
they want to open that door for Florida to try to kind of backdoor their way into the college football playoff. If all hell were to break loose, it would be a very minimal chance right now with two losses, obviously, mm-hmm. and Florida having to also jump at a team like Texas A&M. But they want to leave that door open that just slightly cracked, right? Mm-hmm. Slightly cracked to try to rationalize it. If they beat Alabama bad enough that they're one of the four best teams in the country, even with two losses uh, to teams that we didn't necessarily expect. So... I don't know. I mean, give me Bama. I don't even think they got to beat him badly. If you beat Alabama by three, they might be in the playoff at this point. Um, and up to jump A&M as an SEC champion, that's the question, right? Because Florida, that, that's going to be the question that dominates things, right? Florida loses a tough road game to Texas A&M. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. how they're going to rationalize it, right? Third game of the year, you lose 41 to 38 on the road at Kyle Field. But you are now a team that has beaten Alabama, won the SEC championship. You're a conference champion, which I guess matters more than anybody ever would have dreamed of. Mm-hmm. And they think that the SEC is the best conference in the country by the way they rank these teams. Yeah. So yeah. if you think that's the case, a two-loss Florida probably jumps one-loss Texas A&M, right? Or does it? That's the question. Uh, I So let's do that. Let's talk Let's talk playoff scenarios here. Do you have Alabama? Are you picking Bama? Uh, yeah. yeah, I got Bama. Okay. Yeah, and, and I might have Bama to cover seventeen. I, I do too. I, yeah. I like Florida. I think that's a really. I think it's a really pretty good team. At least from you know offensively, they're really good. Trask is ridiculous. Trask is ridiculous. I, I love Dan Mullen as a coach. I, I love just all of his media antics for the most part. Sometimes he says really dumb stuff, but it seems like it's you know it's it's meant to distract people from criticizing the team or, or whatever. Which, whatever, fine. Um, but yeah, no, I think Alabama's going to roll them in this game. Uh, just Alabama, I, as I mentioned earlier, I think Alabama's probably a double-digit favorite over anybody else in the playoff this year. So um, that being said, Mike, playoff picks. I've got Alabama. I do think both Clemson and Notre Dame make it in. Um, assuming I, I, the only way I think Notre Dame misses the playoff at this point, I think they got to lose this game by at least three touchdowns. Like. This this game against Clemson has to be an absolute rout. Otherwise, I think they're both in. Anything inside seventeen? Yeah, they're both I think in. That's. I think that's that's it. Assuming like, a Clemson I, win. Correct. Now Clemson Clemson's out if they lose. They're flat out just out if yep. they lose. Yep. Um, you lost to a playoff team twice. Look, I I think to be honest with you, I think if Notre Dame were to beat Clemson by like seven to ten points. Like, let's say that ha- I don't think it's likely. Let's say it, they win by seven to ten points. And let's say that Alabama loses close to Florida, right? Alabama is still probably making the playoff. Notre Dame, I think, jumps to one. And I think, which I don't think is that big of a leap, obviously. I also think that if Alabama wins this game against Florida by like a field goal and Notre Dame were to beat Clemson by like two touchdowns, I think Notre Dame is number one. I think they jump Bama. That's now, possible. It's. I think it's possible, and I think it's on the table. Um, my four. My four playoff teams, because I think just this is how it's going to play out. I think the four playoff teams are Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Ohio State. I think those are the four. They fudged the Big Ten rules to get Ohio State a, a shot at the Big Ten championship to give them a realistic chance of making the playoff. The committee doesn't like undefeated group of five teams. So even if Cincinnati wins the, we didn't preview the. Uh, American championship. Uh, But if they win the American as most expect and they beat Tulsa and they finish the year undefeated, it's not going to matter. They're not going to make it into a field of four. They have too much ground to make up against one loss SEC teams. So 
I, I think that's the four, and I think those are four they're going to get in. We can argue if Ohio State should be in or not. I do. I think they're one of the four best teams. Yes, but I think at some point the the schedule needs to matter, and like playing football games needs to matter. And the one thing I think the committee has gotten wrong this year is that I think that preconceived notions about teams have outweighed the actual results on the field. Yep. Good example of that would be Iowa State being the sixth best team in the country right now for the college football playoff rankings with two losses and a loss to Louisiana, right? Louisiana is a top 25 team. They're probably ranked a little bit too low, though. Uh, meanwhile, you have a team like Florida who loses, like I mentioned, one of the worst power five losses of the year belongs to Florida a week ago against LSU. They dropped from sixth to seventh. They dropped one spot and they're still ahead of Cincinnati. That's a problem to me, right? And that's something that shouldn't happen given the way that Cincinnati has played football this year. So it's just not, the playoff is just not fit for group of five teams. I don't think it ever will be with a four team playoff right now. Um, and it's unfortunate, but it's just kind of the way that it is. And I think that Ohio State had, you know, th- there were some thoughts about Ohio State coming into the year. that They were the best team in the country. I think that, that has won out. And I think as long mm-hmm. as Ohio State obviously wins the Big Ten championship, they're going to be in. So I think those are the four in some order. I, I think I agree with you. I, I, I don't I, I'm with you. I don't really love Ohio State getting in only playing six games. Um, I, I think on some level, people have mentioned what? Well, if, if Ohio State's number four at five and zero, why is USC number thirteen at five and zero? Like, right? You know, and I get that maybe they're not a playoff caliber team, but why are right. they that far down? Like, does does playing games matter or not? Like, I don't. I know. tweeted that out, right? Yeah, I tweeted that out. I said, you know, it's going to be really fun to rationalize how an Ohio State team who just had the conference kind of fudge their qualification into the league title game get in over a team in USC that won their conference legitimately and is ranked as low as they are. Now, do I think Ohio State's better than USC? Of course I do. Yeah. But it's the principle of it that really bothers me. Yeah. And, and Ohio State hasn't been, like like you mentioned, I mean, they've been a little bit flawed this year too or a little bit sloppy at times. Like, I just, I don't know. And then, like, I, it bothers me to think, okay, well, let's, let's go into the scenario that Notre Dame wins this game on Saturday. Clemson's out. I agree with that. So then who's the fourth team? Well, there sits Texas A&M at number five, who has a win over Florida in a total toss-up game where they kind of just got lucky. The, the coin came up A&M. Um, they had a blowout loss to Alabama. And then they've played the SEC West, which, Mike, I don't know if you've noticed, if you're kind of keeping up with it. The SEC West wasn't really all that good this year. Bad, actually. Yeah, as you mentioned, LSU, yeah. bad. Ole Miss, Mississippi State, been kind of in transition years, like some some good, some bad. They haven't even played Ole Miss. Ole Miss might have been like the third best team they played all year. <laughs> yeah, behind Bama and A and M, I would agree with that. Auburn's been kind of bad, like, and and A and M has gone through this schedule. They had a five point win over Vandy. They had a two touchdown win against a lifeless at that point Mississippi State team. They had an eleven point win ho hum over Arkansas. Like. The only real emphatic, impressive win you could say that they had was a 48-3 to win over a South Carolina team that just fired its coach after the game. Like, yeah, you know, that hasn't been a good South Carolina team either. So, like, that's my problem is that why is Texas A&M at number five? Like, I, they were one of several teams a couple weeks ago. It was like them, Georgia, Miami. Like, I would have put any of them probably five to ten spots lower than they were in the rankings. So... I, I really do not think, you know, that a team that already lost by 28 to Alabama, why would you put that in the playoff? I don't get that. 
it's going to be really fun to see the committee try to rationalize one loss non-conference champion uh, Texas A&M in over two loss Big 12 champion Iowa State and have the sole reason be one team has two losses. Right. It's like, right. well, the one loss by A&M, like you said, was by four scores to the team that you say is one of the best teams in the country. Is there that big of a gap between one and four? Iowa State would certainly give Alabama a better game than Texas A&M did. If mm-hmm. Iowa State played Alabama tomorrow, I think they would lose by less than 28. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I And, and Mike, this is where I'll, I'll get on my soapbox here for a second, and then I'll, I'll be done and we'll be done. But yeah. um, this is the part where I see Cincinnati at 9, at 8-0. Like, it, the thing that bothers me at this point is that college football is the only sport on earth where literally half of the teams are eliminated from winning a championship before a single snap has been taken. Yeah, like you, you step onto the field for spring practice, and half the teams in the country have zero shot at winning a championship just because of the way this all goes. Like, and yeah. do I think that Cincinnati would even keep it close with Alabama? No, I think Cincinnati probably get vaporized by Alabama, but we'll never know, Mike. We'll never right. know, and that's the part that bothers me. Um, I do really like, by the way, somebody mentioned if if Cincinnati and Coastal Carolina win this weekend, and Coastal's playing in the Sun Belt Championship game against uh, Louisiana. If they win this weekend, both of those teams, and they both are nine and zero and twelve and zero, they've done this whole like bowl game thing where well, you could also maybe just like make up your own game here in the next week or so. They absolutely both of these teams should agree play a game somewhere, and whoever wins, you know what? We're the national champions. Pull UCF. I agree. Just call it like who cares? Like it, right. it's ridiculous. Right. No. Totally. One hundred percent agree with you. Um, and I like that idea. I saw that as well. I would be on board with it. Go full UCF. Yep. Like just go full UCF, heel turn, whole nine. Have the parade the at Disney World. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. So I love it. All right. All right. Well, Mike, I think that's all we got. So yeah, we got Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State in some order. Uh we got Notre Dame keeping it close, but Clemson winning on Saturday. And uh let's see what happens. I think that's all I got here. Anything else before we uh work on getting out of here? No, I think we're good. Awesome. All right, let's get out of here. Uh, you guys can find us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel VT. Together we're at BC Podcast ACC. Also at BC Podcast ACC on Instagram. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Breaker, the Overcast app, wherever fine podcasts are sold for free. You can send us an email with questions, comments, concerns to the longest email address known to man, basketball conference podcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. And you want to tell them where else they can find us on the social medias, Mike? Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of your podcasts there. Go check out Homefield Apparel, homefieldapparel.com. 20% off your first order using the promo code GOACC at checkout. Yep. Yeah, we forgot to hit on them real heavily in this episode, but we've been telling you about them. We will tell you about them again in the future, so please go check that out. Uh, lots of good stuff for some late Christmas gifts if you're still looking for something. Yep. Uh, Mike, I think that's all we got. You want to go watch some games and come back and recap them? Conference championship weekend with some other random games. So enjoy the football. Should have uh, should have some good good idea of who's going to be competing for a national title here by the time we come back to recap these on Sunday. So looking yep. forward to doing that. Yep. All right. Well, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again soon. And until then, go ACC. Go ACC.